0: Welcome to the Elevated Muse podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Simone, and I'm a feminine energetics and transformation mentor born and living in Australia. I am super, super honored to have you here sharing this space with me wherever you are in the world. Within the Elevated Muse podcast, we dive into anything and everything that makes someone's soul elevate and truly feel from the core, from expansion in life to depth and understanding of self and others, to intimacy, relationships, and sexuality, over to consciousness, emotional intelligence, complete juicy abundance, and everything in between. Basically, we do a little bit of everything here because humans are multifaceted. I'm really excited to welcome you to the Elevated Muse podcast, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello guys, welcome back to the Elevated Muse podcast. It has been a minute since we had a guest on the show, and I'm very excited for you to hear today's conversation. I feel like I honestly should have had Cam, our our guest, on like a year and a half ago at least, because this conversation is well overdue on my podcast and I feel like hopefully this is going to be just a part one because we did run out of time I feel like the whole podcast just flew by and there's still so much that I want to talk to Cam about and have you know broadcasted to my community Um, especially for the men out there I know that my podcast is Probably predominantly women, but I do hope that this episode reaches some men and I'm definitely going to be putting it on blast for the men on Instagram stories when I get this up because I know men do follow me that are interested in this world and this realm and these topics. And I feel like this should be common knowledge by now, everything that we talk about, but unfortunately it's not. And I feel like Cam is doing such a good job at educating the men and the masses on this work, on what he specializes in. So, Cam Fraser is today's guest, and he is a certified professional sex coach and certified sexologist. And he has a background in tantric yoga teaching, which I feel like he does such a good job of blending those two worlds together in all of his content that I can see all of his videos and definitely the conversation we have today um, I can feel that tantric you know background perspective when we talk and the way that I understand him when he speaks so I'm sure that you guys listening will be on the same wavelength with that and as a coach he helps men go beyond the surface level sex into full-bodied self-expressed pleasure oriented sexual experiences free of anxiety and shame and this is something we get into a little bit um because i ask some questions that i feel like are just the first thoughts that come to mind when i think about men and their their sexuality and if they're struggling with that the thoughts that kind of come to my mind um and some of the issues that men most commonly face in society when it comes to their sexual health and their own sexual energy And like I said, I feel like we need a part two for this episode and just this conversation because there is so much more to be had. I want to get into Cam's thoughts with, you know, ethical porn and a bit more on semen retention, which we briefly talk about at the end of the episode and just so much more. There is so much more to this conversation, but we've kind of compiled this first episode very nice and neat for you so i really hope that you guys enjoy this episode please share it on instagram if you do and tag me you can tag cam as well um i'm going to put all of his details in the show notes so you can find him and find his work find his videos and yeah i really hope that you enjoy this podcast Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm very excited for today's guest and today's conversation. I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had right now. And I think my my listeners are going to love this. Welcome to the podcast, Cam Fraser. Thank you for being here.
1: No, no worries. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to dive in.
0: Yeah, I feel like today's conversation can go in a lot of different directions but overall we're definitely going to be talking about sex and men's sexual health and everything under that umbrella um i know that you're you know one of australia's leading you know men's sexual health coaches and sexuality coaches which is so needed in this country just as we were saying before there's not many people Talking about this in Australia, it's very, we're very conservative here. So I guess like where, where we can start this conversation is I'd love to know your journey coming to talking about sex, being comfortable talking about sex, learning more about sex. What led you down this path?
1: Yeah, I'll um, try and be concise with this story, Uh, (laughs) but it started when I was around about 17 years old. I went to America to study over there a sporting scholarship and uh you know as an australian in america i don't know what it is but uh, americans tend to love australians like we we go down really well over there for some reason and Mm um so as a young 17 year old guy you know i was and and, uh, as a young heterosexual guy i was interested in women and you know wanting to play up my australianness to try and like really um have a lot of casual sex essentially and um you know the the phrase that comes to mind is um quantity over quality, or if you want to be vulgar about it every hole is a goal that was like my approach to sex at the time um as a 17 18 year old uh, in a new country you know living by myself and um and the, the the reflection that i have on it today is like i was really concerned about how i presented as a man i was like really um worried that I wasn't going to be seen as masculine or that I wasn't going to be seen as like a quote-unquote real man and my interpretation at the age of you know 17-year-old Australian teenager was that what it means to be a man is to have a lot of sex and to be like really macho and to drink a lot as well you know to to hold your booze and so that was like the performance that I gave as as a you know younger man as a teenage boy essentially it was like trying to have a lot of sex, trying to drink a lot of booze, um being that larrikin kind of personality and um it was all a mask to really hide a lot of insecurity that i had, a lot of fear of not being accepted, um, and a lot of need for validation. Um and i was in a really you know poor mental health space throughout my time in america, which is probably from the age of 17 to 21. And you know to kind of offer a bit more context there. Like, you know, I was drinking quite a lot uh, because I was anxious about, you know, meeting women and, you know, these, these uh, young women that I was being sexual with, I, I had a lot of performance anxiety in the bedroom. And so to compensate for that, I drank quite a lot, you know, the, the, the phrase liquid courage comes to mind. Uh, but then I would drink so much that the sex that I had would would be shit. You know, I I would either drink to the point where I wasn't able to get an erection, uh, whiskey drip, uh, whiskey dick or brewer's droop. right? Like it was just alcohol-induced impotence. And then instead of like taking responsibility for like the shit sexual experience, I then just blamed the alcohol. So it became like this really uh, toxic relationship between me and alcohol. And then rather than being like, oh yeah, I fucked this up. And I, I, you know, potentially what could have been a really beautiful sexual experience became like a, a story that I could tell my mates, you know, like, Oh, I feel like I just got too fucked up. Like I couldn't even get it up. And yet, rather than, rather than thinking about the young woman who I was being sexual with, it became like a uh yeah, this, this like joke that I could share with the men, uh, the young men in my life. So it was like really, again, revolt, like a lot of my, a lot of my behavior revolved around performing masculinity in that really unhealthy way. Um, and so very serendipitously, I, Injured my back, actually fractured my lower spine. And so part of my rehabilitation for that injury was to go to clinical Pilates. My Pilates teacher then put me onto yoga. My yoga teacher put me onto massage. My massage practitioner put me onto meditation and meditation practitioner put me onto breath work. And (laughs) I started doing all these really beautiful somatic healing modalities and noticing how much of an impact it started to have on my relationship with my body. And I remember- breaking down into tears during a yoga class, you know, like just all of a sudden all this like mm-hmm. grief you know, and, and shame and the, the, you know, uh, tears that came with that kind of came to the surface. And then I remember like being so angry at a Pilates class that I was doing with some like elderly women on the reformer next to me. And I couldn't do what they were doing. And just like the, the, the anger, the disproportionate amount of anger that came up. Cause I would just being, you know, sitting on all these emotions and not allowing myself to feel them. Um, and so I started like going, fuck, I've got these emotions. What do I do with these, these, these feelings? And as a you know, teen, as a 19-year-old boy, essentially, I was like, my headspace was I can't let my mates know that I'm crying in fucking yoga class. You know, like that was <laughs> I was very much concerned again about like performing masculinity. So I went and saw a therapist and the therapist, and because I, I was like, I need to get rid of these emotions. I can't be feeling these emotions. And thankfully I had a good therapist who was like, well, no, that's not. The right approach and so we did some narrative therapy and for those that aren't familiar narrative therapy is essentially just looking at all the stories that you tell yourself about how you should show up in the world and for me that was like as a man as a sexual man specifically and going do these actually serve me are these beneficial to me are these healthy uh, are they my stories or are they imposed upon me by society religion my mates whoever uh, and then just discerning like which of the stories do we want to keep because they align and they feel authentic and genuine and what are the new stories that I want to tell myself and adhere to and subscribe to with regards to like how I shop in the world? Uh, and so I was doing talk therapy and then body work and had a really you know profound impact on me as a as a young man, right? As a 20 year old essentially. And started noticing, to give you an example, like I, I started noticing like I, I wanted to drink a lot less. I felt much more in tune with my body and that that for me felt like not putting in this poison into my body as much as I was. Um, you know, I went through a period of not drinking at all. Uh, I was able to like breathe deeply and relax much more than I was previously. I released a lot of tension, you know, muscular tension from my body. Uh, I felt much more confident and authentic in who I was as a man, as a young man. And so I, rather than, rather than being overly concerned with what my male friends thought about me in the most compassionate way possible, I kind of stopped giving a fuck. I didn't really care what they had to say about me. I didn't agree with what they did. So I stopped doing it. Um, and you know, went through a period of feeling a little bit lonely and isolated because my friend group didn't want to see me thrive or be, you know, in that new kind of personal growth phase of my life. Um, and then when it came to sex, because I was much more relaxed, I, you know, wasn't drinking as much as well. I was able to be more in tune with the sensations of pleasure and sensuality and eroticism. And because I wasn't so concerned about performing sexually and being like hyper vigilant about what that looks like. I was much more open and curious and um, you know, had conversations with my partners. Like, what do you like? What are you into? What do you want to do? Like, let's have some fun. Let's play around here. Rather than being like, this is the script I have to follow. And if I don't follow this, then sex is ruined, you know? Um, so was much more flexible. And, and that led to some really beautiful um, experiences uh, in the early twenties. Um, and so I had this kind of realization of like, wow, this has had a really big impact on me personally. And I see the need for it with the guys that I was hanging out with. I was like, Holy shit. Like, going from one, you know, frame of reference or mentality to the next, I was like, wow, the way that I'm treating men in my life, particularly men who I saw as like inferior, um, the way that I was treating women, like it was just not healthy for me or for anyone around me. And so, um, yeah, having that that really impactful transition period for me, like lit a light bulb for me, which was like, I need to do this work. And I was studying psychology at the time. So I went and continued doing that and did some counseling, um, got a, you know, postgraduate degree in sexology human sexuality also moonlighted as a yoga teacher did my teacher training started doing some like neo-tantra stuff um and then that was all like you know 10 nine years ago and so over the last decade i've like really tried to hone in on what am i really passionate about that's like masculinity and sexuality what can i speak into with some sort of authority that's my lived experience, which is, is a like a cisgender heterosexual white guy, just a straight white dude, you know, and that's what I can speak into with some sort of, you know, um authenticity. Uh, so that's what I that's what I do today, right? It's like really try and draw on my own lived experiences, the the studies that I've done, and um, the experiential knowledge I have from being in those sacred sexuality spaces as well as like the Western academic spaces through, you know, the the research and the the study um and bring that to to men, to, you know predominantly australian and, and american and, and english guys because that's my audience is according to my analytics um but it's you know something that i feel like is needed i kind of say again with the most compassion possible that straight white dudes are the people that need this work the most mm-hmm. um and so i get people that reach out to me on social media they say why don't you talk about you know this group or queer men or why don't you talk about women and things like that and i say well, like firstly because that's not what I can speak into with a new authority. And also because I think this group of people really need some some role models and some people doing some work with a bit more positivity around sexuality. Because for me growing up, I didn't really have a lot of men speaking positively and, and holistically about sexuality. The male role models that I had as a, as a teen were you pick up artists and you're like just like alpha bro type guys. And I was just not like that those are the only people who I had access to. So those are the people who I read and I'm familiar with like the, the pickup artisty scene because that was what's available to me, but really didn't resonate a lot with it. And so trying to, really, what I'm trying to do if I'm if I'm reflective is try and speak to the younger version of myself, you know, 10, 15 years ago. What did he need to know? What did he need to hear? You know, how did he want someone to show up for him? Um, and that's the type of work that I, I try and do today with with predominantly, you know, straight dudes.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I, as you were um, talking, I said the same thing before you said it about like, I think straight white men are the the people that, you know, unfortunately need to hear this the most um, worldwide. It's kind of very clear that those are the the people that we really need to get through to who have a lot of power and influence um, and a lot of the time use that for the wrong reasons. Um and yeah, I think, I think what you're doing is, is amazing. And I, I'd love to know what is the main concern that you, you seem to hear over and over, maybe consistently, like what, what do most men repeat to you or come to you for, what are you seeing is the most commonly said issue within their own mind or their performance or what is it with men?
1: Yeah, so I get men reach out to me every single day with sexual dysfunction concerns. That's the primary thing that men will ask me about. And so what I mean by that is like guys will say, I've got premature ejaculation. I need help lasting longer. I've got erectile dysfunction. I need help getting or maintaining erection. I've got low libido. I need to have higher libido. I've got delayed ejaculation. I, I can't come." Um and then within that context as well, like my dick's too small, like I'm, I'm I need to have a bigger dick, and so all those things, yes, are separate. But the underlying story that I hear is I'm broken, I need to be fixed, and so that's like the that's the co- that's the most common thing that men reach out to me for. Like it's it's and it's in their language. Like I I've got this dysfunction, I've got this thing that's wrong, and I need someone to help fix that thing to make it right again so that i can be normal or i can function properly and so it's very often framed as a a function concern like my body is not doing the, the thing that it's supposed to do how can i fix that um and i think that you know um belies the the overall way that we think about male sexuality specifically which is that it's very function oriented and that like we can look at the way that it's talked about in medicine for example like the the field of urology has really like you know dictated what we've framed male sexuality as it's like you know you've got to get an erection and if you don't get an erection immediately then something's wrong we got to fix that or you've got to um you know have a period of time before you ejaculate and if it's not a certain amount of time or typically if it's before a certain amount of time then something's wrong we have to fix that um if you aren't ejaculating at a certain time after a certain amount of time, then something's wrong. We've got to fix that as well. It's very like, here's what a normal quote unquote male sexual response should look like. If you deviate from that, then something is wrong and we need to do something to correct it so that you become standardized and normal. And there's not, there's no variability in male sexual response and that has been perpetuated over and over again by um, sex research for a a long time. Um, And it's, I think it's a bit of a two-way street. It's like culturally, societally, we think men are just pretty straightforward. They just get it up, they get it off, you know, and they're, they're just, you know, there's no strings attached. It's very physical. Like we we typically think societally that male sexuality is very straightforward, very simple, very surface level. And it's not very complicated. Right. Which is in contrast to like female sexuality. We oftentimes see that societally portrayed as like very complicated and everything needs to be, you know, there for the right setting and the right mood and whatever. Um, and that, Again, informs the way that we research it, and then the research, you know, will then only look at that standardized model of male sexual response, and then inform, you know, societal ways of thinking about male sexuality. So it's a bit of a, a two way street. So what I'm like really looking at when guys come and speak to me is like, you know, what are the stories that they're telling themselves about their sexual functioning? If they come quickly, what are they making that mean? Right? And, and typically, they're making it mean that they are less of a man that they're less of a lover that they're you know going to be alone that their partner's going to leave them that they're you know inadequate that they're inferior um you know there's a lot of self-worth stories wrapped up in the sexual functioning and what they expect of their penises um and their bodies typically their penises because so a lot of guys limit their expression of sexuality to what their dick is or isn't doing um so yeah that's a roundabout way of saying that like yeah i get like sexual functioning concerns people reach out to me all the time for that um it's pretty much like premature ejaculation erectile dysfunction are like the major ones and then you know the others are are pretty close behind but what when i inquire a little bit deeper when i scratch below the surface it's a self-worth story it's like i'm less of a man because i'm experiencing this like this is going to ruin my marriage or whatever it might be like there's a lot of story underneath it which i think is more important to to address
0: Mm, yeah it's i find i don't know if you you feel this for like men generally speaking but it is always that kind of not good enough wound because of the pressure from society to be this type of man and i think now in today's climate it's even there's even more pressure i suppose for men to look a certain way it's it's like this be you have to be six foot you've got to be buff you've got to make over six figures like there's just this again it's a story that is being told to us from a lot of either the people that still crave that story themselves on the podcast or it's like reflected in what women are desiring Um, and it's still this outside kind of surface version of what we think a man should be. And I I feel like underneath all of that, you know, what, we're what I, what I feel is most healing for both the the men that want to be that, or feel like they need to be that or the women that desire that, that it's like, what is the most healing is really the proper connection to be seen and to see somebody else too. So I wonder if, you know, with, with men that struggle with these kind of issues that come to you, like, are they really afraid to be seen by their partner and maybe see somebody else? And do you find that when people have that healthy connection with a partner or they're in a really healthy relationship and they have someone to work through this stuff? alongside does that kind of soothe things does that make it easier for for men or for women
1: yeah i think there's like a really important distinction that i want to make here which is like a lot of the presenting concerns that guys share with me are psychological in nature but that's not to say that there aren't like erectile dysfunction issues that are vasculogenic for example and they need to go and see a urologist because they're having blood flow issues and that no amount of psychological work is going to help them with that particular yeah. concern. Same thing, like maybe medication-related, iatrogenic. So, you know, they need to go and see a, a pharmacologist to try and figure out like what their dosage is. So, like those things are real and valid concerns. But like overwhelmingly, what I see is guys who adhere to a certain script about sexual performance, about what it means to be a man, about what the way that they should show up sexually, and they like so they're so ingrained into that script that they have all these expectations about their body, which their body just doesn't live up to for whatever reason, because they've they've created that anxiety for themselves. And we can argue about where that comes from. It could be, you know, women that they've had sex with previously that have said something to them, or it could be the pornography that they're watching. It could just be like the movies that are out there. You know, the the social media influencers who are these six foot, whatever buff dudes who are talking about masculinity and the way that you should up. So a lot of guys have this, you know, expectation about, how they should be and then they don't live up to that expectation and so that makes them feel like they're less of a man they're inferior and that causes tension anxiety stress in their body that's the thing that manifests as you know premature ejaculation we know comes from sympathetic nervous system activation same thing erectile dysfunction issues sympathetic nervous system activation you've got to be in your parasympathetic branch of your nervous system to relax, to engorge, to get that blood flow happening into your cock and to last longer, you, you, you've you got to be relaxed. You've got to be like, you know, um, exploring that pleasure and not be so tense and tight. And so those things happen that reaffirms his original belief that he's less of a man because he's not living up to these expectations and it becomes this like vicious cycle. So again, from a psychological perspective, if we're in a space where you're able to like open up about that, talk about it, have a supportive partner if they're in a relationship or even just a group like a men's group can be that supportive container for you to open up. Um, if you've got a partner, you may be more able to do like some in intimacy and, and immediate like things that you can do in a sexual container with one another, but even just like an opportunity to talk um, about these things, about the expectations that you feel you should live up to, letting go of those, recognizing there's solidarity, that other men also experience that. Um, and then having, you know, a partner, I say this to women all the time is like, if you're able to hold the energy of, it's not a big deal in those moments, then like the alleviation of that anxiety for him, again, from a psychological perspective is probably going to be one of the things that helps him get the erection in the first place or last longer in the first place. But if, you know, these female partners for these guys have the same scripts about what it means to be a man. And if he's coming quickly and then they go, something's wrong with you because you came quickly or something's wrong with you because you can't get it up a lot of guys will internalize that and go well shit i i am a terrible lover i am less of a man i i you know i'm not able to work through this this is there is something broken with me and that'll again perpetuate that that tension that that tightness that stress in the body which leads to those sexual performance issues in the first place um so if like you're in the context of a couple and you're able to go like hey so you don't have an erection. Like, that's fine. Like there's other things we can do. I enjoy oral sex. I enjoy toys. I enjoy fingers. I enjoy feet. I enjoy whatever, right? Like let's, let's move to the, to another thing. And that's not just on the female partners. I I say the same thing to, to men as well. If you're experiencing a sexual difficulty, learn how to pivot in those moments, right? Hold the energy of like, this isn't a big deal and pivot to something else. Keep the pleasure going, keep the intimacy alive, keep that momentum going frame it you know positively like hey sometimes i you know struggle to get an erection i'm i'm but i'm still i still really enjoy going down on you i still really enjoy a massage like how about we we switch to this for a moment and usually again if we're if it's a psychological issue that capacity to like relax to still be in your pleasure to give yourself time for the body and the mind to kind of catch up a lot of the time is going to give you well, it's going to put the best foot forward with regards to like allowing that erection to happen or you know, relaxing enough so that you don't come so quickly, or you know, relaxing enough so that you can come in the first place, so that you're not like trying to trying to um you know hold on to something. So yeah, so having that supportive partner, I, I definitely think is a benefit. But there's also ways that you can do that solo if you're not in a relationship with someone. And that might be through community, might be through just talking to someone like me or just doing some work by yourself where you give that permission to yourself to explore your eroticism, to explore your body, maybe through a self-pleasure practice, a self-affirmation, self-love practice that is you know th- there's a there's an allowing for variability in your sexual response. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I've I've heard you on your page talk about uh, sublimating, which is you know moving sexual energy from say just focusing on just the genitals, which I think you know as a society, that's what we're taught sex is. Sex is literally just, you know, penis and vagina and the friction that they can create. And even then we're still numbed out to that pleasure because we're so focused on the story in the head. So we're all kind of having sex from our minds. And, you know, I think we've all been there in our, I mean, a, a lot of my listeners now, I think are you know, going through this work and doing this healing on themselves and becoming more um, in tune with their bodies and more sensitive. But I think we've all had that sex in our lives where we're really mind focused and we are focused on a story and women are taught, I need to look like this. I need to sound like this. And men are just kind of focused on like, let me please her. And I want to have an orgasm. Like, let's, let's do this. We all want to reach The highest amount of pleasure very very quickly whereas i know you talk about sublimating which is you know moving energy moving something so moving sexual energy from just the focus of on our genitals and being able to move that through the body and to me that sounds very like tantric in nature because you know we're learning to move the energy all through the body even down to like our fingertips we want to feel the pleasure of the person that we're with and keep that energy flowing and there's so much energy that you can create from those moments so i guess is that where you would tell a lot of these men to to start if they're struggling with any issues in that region where they're so focused on having an orgasm very quickly or I'm going to come too quick or I can't get hard. They're just focused down there. So how how do people learn to actually move sexual energy in their bodies? Because we will talk about that online, but I'd love to hear, you know, how, how do we do that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And the first thing is like conceptually recognizing that you aren't just your dick. You're actually one huge dick. Right. You can experience pleasure from the tips of your toes to the crown of your head. So you can think of yourself as one giant penis. Right. And I typically will tongue in cheek say to guys, you're a huge dick, mate. Mm. And so the um, so like that's the first thing to like wrap your head around is like you aren't just confined to just stimulating your genitals, right? You can experience pleasure everywhere. And um, you know, to land that for some guys, I'll share with them maybe some stories about men who have had. Spinal cord injuries, for example, that literally are numb from the waist down. They're um, yeah, paraplegic, and um, they're able to still orgasm through stimulation of their hands, or stimulation of their mouth, or stimulation of their nipples. Right. So there's still, they've you know, orgasmic experiences. And I would argue, like for those guys that are exploring that, maybe even more so than the guys who are you know just going through the motions, you know, jerking off in front of a computer screen and not really you know attuned to the, those sensations of pleasure. Um, and that's usually a light bulb moment for guys like, Oh fuck. Okay, cool. I can like, there is more than just my penis. And so that like emphasizing of just the genitals is known as phallocentrism. When we're talking about just like, you know, having sex only being revolving around what the penis does or doesn't do same thing for guys that are masturbating. If they only ever focus on their genitals and, and just, you know, stimulating their cock, that's like a phallocentric approach. So we want to decenter the penis a little bit. Um, when we're starting to talk about moving that sexual energy through the body, very practical way is just like starting to think about like, um, think about starting at your cock and moving your way out in terms of stimulation. So uh, a lot of guys, you know, when they start to like hear, oh, I should, you know, m- involve the rest of my body. They might start to do that and go, well, I don't really feel anything. I'm touching my nipples. I'm touching my face. Like this does nothing for me. One of the reasons why is because for such a long time, they've conditioned themselves to link their arousal and sexual sensations to genital touch. So it can be helpful to start with genital touch. So like start to do some you know, masturbation that you typically do, like start to stimulate your cock the way you usually do. And once you've started to build that arousal and start to build that pleasure and you start to get in those heightened states, then start to move away from your genitals. So you might like to just Again, very practically, maybe just start with the inner thighs and the lower abdomen and just moving your hands around that part of your body, just noticing the sensations that arise as you start to touch your groin um, and just move like a little bit further away from your cock and balls, Uh, your perineum, right? That space in between the genitals and the anus. Like a lot of guys don't explore that with a massage or with touch or anything, right? It's it's typically quite a vulnerable spot, but it's right there, right? So it's like very easy to just start, start incorporating. And then, you know, as you awaken those sensations and and you know tune into the nerves that that are there and the the uh stimulation that's available to you move a little bit further away maybe incorporate the legs right and the thighs and maybe up the uh glutes and around the back right and and like even the upper around the belly button and around the the stomach and again just like if you need to come back to the your cock and stimulate your cock, get a cock again to like build up that pleasure and build up that arousal build up that sensation and stimulation again do that and then return back to like another area of your body and just literally like work your way out from the center um until you're like starting to explore your face and your nose or your shoulders or your nipples or even like down your legs as well and, and you can explore a bunch of different touch you know there's a a practice just slightly different to this but a practice nonetheless is called pleasure mapping which is you know essentially getting yourself into an aroused state and then starting at your toes and then over the next 20 minutes to an hour working your way up to the crown of your head and experimenting with different touch right like leveraging that novelty sensation which is very it's a very practical thing to do it's like just try new things it can be quite exciting and anticipatory and like build on the pleasure that you're experiencing or build on the arousal so like try new things with your your hands most of us you know are able-bodied we've got the capacity to to scratch and rub and pinch and slap and pull and press and do all these really beautiful things with our hands it's like just just experiment from the toes work your way up you know your whole body and just touch your body in in new and interesting ways and catalog the things that feel good to you right like wow when i when i lightly touch my kneecaps with my fingertips, that feels really nice. And when I, you know, squeeze my my pec muscles, that doesn't feel really nice. You know, like just getting a bit of a understanding of your body and what it is that's pleasurable to you and what it is that's maybe not so pleasurable because that's going to be the information that you then use to start to move that sexual energy through your body. So like the, the next step is then, right now we're in this heightened state of arousal very often a lot of guys when they get to that point they're they're going to come right they're, they're not familiar with what it's like to be in a heightened state of arousal for a long period of time um and we can like energetically speaking that's like you know they've got a i use this analogy comes from a teacher of mine nick spatacini to he talks about the body being a sponge and just like a sponge soaks up water we pour water onto the sponge. It kind of soaks up all that water. There's a capacity to how much water it can absorb. And our body, like a sponge only has a capacity for so much tension. Right, And, and very often where because of the society that we live in, like a waterlogged sponge, our body is tension locked, right? It's just like tense all the time because we're in sympathetic dominance all the time from the news cycles and social media and tension in our family and whatever. Uh, And so just as like you want to wring the sponge out of water so that you can pour more water onto it, we want to wring the body out of all that tension. So we want to release and let go of the tension that we're holding so we can start to build up that arousal. We can start to pour more sexual tension into our body because tension is not a bad thing, but sexual tension being poured onto a body that's already full of tension from the day it's we're going to reach our energetic capacity quite quickly. So like being able to like let go beforehand is like a practice in and of itself. So maybe doing some breathing or some stretching or just slowing down, relaxing the body so that you can then start to do your your practice where you're like starting to build up that arousal, get really familiar with how it feels to go from you know a ringed out sponge that's dry to pouring on all this really beautiful sexual tension and sexual energy. Notice how that feels to become more and more and more aroused as you get closer to your capacity and then spending time in that heightened state of arousal. And that might look like not touching your cock because if you touch your cock and stimulate your cock in the way you have been, it might push you over to the edge into an ejaculation. And so instead, that's where that information from a pleasure mapping practice or a you know, self-exploration practice comes in. Maybe it looks like switching to that touch that you really enjoy. Maybe it's you know, lightly touching your knees and, and keeping the pleasure um, you know, going in that heightened state and lengthening the amount of time you spend there without it tipping over or spilling over into an ejaculation. Um, And that's like, again, increasing your capacity for noticing that sexual energy in your body, noticing that pleasure. And when it comes to like a sublimation practice, specifically, like the reason I'm kind of saying all this is because if you're going straight into a sublimation practice, you've got nothing to sublimate, then what's the point of doing it, right? Like, so we've got to build that sexual energy. You've got to get that water flowing. We've got to get that like really beautiful um you know erotic uh sensation going for you so that then you can do something with that so what i'll say to guys is like spend some time get familiar with that high state of arousal incorporate the rest of your body into it and then once you're feeling like you know you've you've explored your body you've incorporated these other things based on that information that you've gathered then instead of ejaculating instead of releasing that by going from like a high state of tension to a low state of tension which is what ejaculation does kind of takes you very quickly out of a, a place of like high state of arousal is to substitute that with a different practice right and and that might begin with another practice that takes you from a high state of to a low state of tension, such as like going and smashing 30 push-ups right so maybe doing like some self-pleasure you know doing all the things i've just suggested and then when you feel like you're going to ejaculate instead of stimulating yourself and continuing to do that jump down and do 30 push push-ups, and notice what it's like to really move and expend that energy in a way that isn't through an ejaculation or through the ejaculatory reflex, or you can go for a run, right? It's another really good one. Um, And if you're not so physically inclined, like another way of experimenting with this is like, go and do some writing or go and do some singing. I, I got a few male clients who are singers, like go and do some singing and notice how the, build up of pleasure and arousal and eroticism that you've allowed yourself to experience changes the thing that you're about to do and and, and you notice what knows what comes through you know i got some guys who amuse those and they play music very differently when they're are coming from that place of um of heightened heightened pleasure and heightened eroticism um and that's like a, you know that that's essentially oops sorry that's a that's essentially a very simple way of thinking about sublimation is like taking that sexual and erotic energy and doing something different with it rather than releasing it through an ejaculation or through an orgasm or you know through expending it in a in a sexual way it's like let's expend that energy in a different way let's move it into a different direction um so yeah, hopefully that made sense as like a chronological process
0: mm-hmm. yeah i know they're really good tips and i'm assuming that through that process you the men or whoever is doing this i mean women can obviously learn these do these same things as well um you're breathing and you're really you are focused on breath because i feel like in those times of deep intimacy if you are with a partner male or female and you're wanting to maybe slow down tension and slow down sexual energy from getting to that, you know, boiling furnace point and that tip and like tipping over breath can really start to slow you down and bring you back into the present moment of connection. Because I think that is the main thing that we get so distracted by is the, where we're, we're desiring that orgasm point. And that's like an out of control moment. We're like almost out of our body at that, that time. And especially if we're we're used to just rubbing one out really quickly, watching porn and coming within you know, 10, 15 seconds because we all know how to do that to our own body very, very quickly. So we're used to getting to that point very quickly and it's almost like an out-of-body experience because you're doing it so quickly. It's happening so fast. You're going from zero to 100. So I feel like really incorporating that breath and slowing that down it's also preparing you for intimacy with others and knowing that that's a tool you have with others as well because i guess if you're intimate with a woman for the first time after doing these practices on your own it's like you're not going to just stop and touch yourself and i mean you can of course you that if that's what you're both you want to do then you try that but i feel like if you're in that moment trying to give pleasure to your partner and you're sharing that moment together that's it's another level when you're with somebody else so I think the breath is obviously something that we all want to remind ourselves of and it's something that I like to remind my partners of ever since I learned about you know sexuality in this way like whenever I can feel a partner that's getting to that point or they're kind of like getting out of their body a bit too much or they're in their head or they're trying too hard or they're I can feel their consciousness leaving it's like okay breathe with me let's like slow down and I think you know if you learn more to do that on your own then you'll remember in the moment with someone else that breath is our greatest tool and asset when it comes to moving energy you know you don't even that's when you don't even have to move I don't have to touch myself I don't need to Do anything to actually move energy right now because I have the breath, I have my breath that is a tool that I can use. So, yeah, I wanted to throw that out there. But before, yeah,
1: fully agree. Breath is the foundation for sure. And um, yeah, built like building on from the breath. I'm sure you've probably heard this, and your your audience probably has as well. But like, you know, from breath, then there's sound, movement, touch, creating the container, minimizing your distractions, and then having like a closing practice as well so that might be an ejaculation or an orgasm but it might be something else but yeah breath foundational and then like from the breath like starting to make some noise starting to express yeah. your pleasure being able to like release verbally rather than maybe releasing you know um through the genitals uh, there's a, yeah some beautiful energetic practices that come like after that um moving the body more as well so like rather than being stiff and stagnant and stationary with your hips starting to like get the spine involved and starting to like really connect in with um another analogy that i share is like you're not just However many inches are in your pants, like you, you've got a three foot long cock that starts at the back of your neck. So rather than like thinking of penetrating your partner with however many inches your cock is like, what if you were penetrating her with your full three foot long cock and, and what does it look like to get your whole spine and body involved as well? So like, that's a really, you know, combining that with the breath and with making sound and with touch as well, just like moving that energy up the body. Um, Yes, but, but it starts with the breath for sure.
0: hmm yeah. And before we kind of finalize today, cause I know you're going to have to go soon. Um, I do want to quickly touch on, I feel like I'm going to have to have you on the podcast again. So we can, there's so many conversations. We haven't even gotten into some of the stuff that I want to talk about, but um, I do want to touch on semen retention very quickly. Cause I know that that is one of the most popular topics, I suppose in this sphere online, we're always hearing about semen retention and, you know, conscious men and the the greatest men who are going to be the best at having sex they're all doing semen retention you know so it's all it's like a buzzword and i just Mm want to quickly hear your take on semen retention if you think it's good bad everyone should be doing it only some people should be doing it sometimes we should do it what's your quick take before we go today
1: Okay, a quick take. It's funny that you say a quick take because I just spoke for an hour with another person about this, like earlier this morning. Um, so I'll try and summarize. But you would have heard me before. Just say like instead of ejaculating, go and doing a different practice, right? Like going and doing some push ups, going and doing some running, or creative writing. So like, what that implies and, and what i'll share is like yeah i don't think that um there's anything wrong with not ejaculating i think you know, there's a lot of value in experimenting and exploring with taking ejaculation off the table every so often um i'm not dogmatic or prescriptive with my approach like you might hear from the no-fap adherents who are you know really saying you should never do it uh or from the Taoist perspective which is saying like you should only masturbate and ejaculate like once a month or whatever it is um so, like i think there's I think there's a, a, po- a more positive and um, like, I, I call it like a sex positive and pleasure positive approach. I think like there's value in exploring and experimenting with our sexual responses. I think there's like a lot of necessity in like learning more about your body. What happens when you come seven times in one day versus what happens when you don't come for seven days, right? Like how does that impact you? What do you specifically feel? Cause I've recognized that we're all, different bodies and you know we have different energy levels we've got different things going on so if i start going and this is what i don't like when i see online is like here's the practice and like never ejaculate you know again or like don't ejaculate for six weeks or whatever it is like people aren't universal so stop prescribing a universal practice right so i'll really encourage men to develop what's what i'll call like a personal ejaculatory cycle so figuring out you know through experimentation and curiosity and openness and permission with their body. What feels good for me? Does ejaculating every time I have sex feel good? Does ejaculating every time I have mast- masturbate feel good? Or is there value in taking those off the table, you know, and and noticing what else there is on the table to explore? Um, I, I, you know, from a secular point of view, let's say, you know, the, the value that I see of like exploring non-ejaculatory practices is like, you've just removed the goal of sex and masturbation. You know, very often i last ask guys, when was the last time you masturbated or had sex and didn't ejaculate? And they kind of look at me confused and go, what are you fucking talking about, man? That's the reason why I do that. And so it's like, All right, great. There's a goal there that you're at least acknowledging you're you're heading towards when you do these things. So let's take the goal away. And very often that gives them the, the, the opportunity to, to be much more present with the sensations that they're feeling both by themselves and with another person because they're not trying to get towards something rather than thinking about the destination, which is that ejaculation they can be present with the journey. Right. And, and so that's like one of the most valuable things that I have noticed in my own practice of exploring, you know, not ejaculating every single time that I am sexual and to, to, to maybe speak a little bit into like uh just like the the depth of this. So like I teach, I don't teach semen retention. I'm I'm very open about the fact that I don't actually teach semen retention in the way that it's oftentimes portrayed i teach conscious ejaculation and the reason why i say that there's a distinction in my opinion between those two things is because just like semen retention ejaculation retention no fap, no note november all those things are all focused on what you shouldn't do you shouldn't come and when i you know think about that i think again psychologically speaking you know don't think about a big purple elephant right the first thing that you've got to do to not think about that elephant is to think about it so you can negate that thought. The same thing's happening when we talk about semen retention and no, not November and whatever it is, is like the, it's focused on the negative. It's focused on like what not to do. And so my reframe is oftentimes like, well, I don't think ejaculation is bad and I'm not trying to shame anyone for a coming. How can you do that with more intentionality? How can you do that with more awareness how can you how can you learn about your body so that when you do come you maybe don't feel so depleted or dejected if that's what you have been feeling previously or if you do come and it's like a really celebratory vibrant experience like how can we do more of that right how can we bring more of that reverence and sacredness into your relationship with your ejaculation that's through having some consciousness right or intentionality. I I sometimes call it intentional ejaculation. So that's my practice is intentional ejaculation. That looks different for me as an individual than it would for my clients and for the people that like, you know, listen to my work. Um, And I think that's, what's important is like finding what works for you and not being so dogmatic about it. I really dislike the dogmatism around it and the, the ejaculation shaming as well. I think it's not great for men and their sexual exploration.
0: And like to just touch on that quickly, I find for women in the kind of spiritual world, it's almost the opposite where always, I mean, we've probably all seen those posts that are like, if it doesn't make, if it doesn't give you money or orgasms or this, you shouldn't have it in your life or whatever. And women are just taught that, I mean, now I think with the the rise of recent feminism and equality and everything like we're we're now being taught that our pleasure is just as important as a man's, which is great. But I think like there is such a pressure on women now to make sure that their man is giving them an orgasm, that she's coming all the time, that women should always be having orgasms. And I think it's almost doing the same thing to where we're we're now creating this goal. Like we have to have an orgasm for it to be meaningful, for it to be good sex. And for me, I suppose I, I really never had that goal. And I don't know, like it's great if it happens, but it's also great if it doesn't, because for me, I realized through my own practice that sometimes I would feel tired if I would orgasm too much in a week I'd actually feel depleted if I was having too many orgasms. Whereas all these posts online in the spiritual world are telling women we need to come all the time, have all these orgasms, manifest your dreams through your orgasm, you know? And I think you can do that. Of course, you can use your orgasm for great things and for more energy. But again, like you said, it's such a unique experience, your own sexual Uh, relationship with yourself and your orgasm is so unique to you and your energy blueprint and your nervous system so it's something that everyone should try to maybe take that goal away to enjoy it when it comes to learn how to go without it because I to me I mean sex is great without an orgasm because the energy is still flowing within me even when we're finished I feel like I'm on the edge of orgasm for like the rest of the day throughout my whole body. And that's a great feeling. Why would we not want that? So I think it's, yeah, it's important to know that your unique s- sex experience is yours to to own and discover. It doesn't need to look like that Instagram post or that podcast <laughs> that you heard, you know, so or that porn that you watched. So, yeah. yeah. That's my take on that. I
1: very much resonate with that. Thank you for for sharing. And so like my invitation to people listening is like, just start experimenting, right? There's nothing wrong with experimenting with your sexual response and your sexual arousal and the expression of that. I think that's what stifles people is like the shame that they feel of, you know, exploring and experimenting. And so we like see this how-to guide from your favorite Instagram sex coach and we go great. I'm just going to follow that model. That's safe because I can just follow it, and like the instructions are there. And if I do it, I'm doing it correctly. If I don't do it, I know I'm doing it wrong, and therefore I know the the way to get back to doing it right is just like follow those steps again, which is okay, I guess. But what I want to really encourage is like explore more. Be curious about your body. What can you learn about it? What can it? What is it going to? What is it going to tell you if you really start listening and um and yeah, being much more. Yeah, experimental, investigative, and curious is like the cornerstone of the the work that I try and do. Um, and so, yeah, I want to really extend that invitation to people that are listening is like, just explore. See what's, see what's out there for you.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for finishing on that note. And I think I'm going to have to have you on the podcast again so we can talk about all the other, because we, there's so many things I want to talk about. I do want to talk to you about porn and ethical porn. So that's something that I'll have to get you back for, but I'll make sure to add all of your links um, in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining and having this conversation with me today. I appreciate it.
1: No, no worries. Thanks for using your platform to have you know me on and happy to come back for round two and talk all things pornography because I got a lot to say about it. So yeah, yeah. Hit me up and we'll do it. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Thank you.